Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? It's Justin with another episode of In Case You Missed It, which is my weekly recap of the AMA. So this week's AMA was AMA number 80. I am finally back in my house, as you can see, because Arnold is behind me. What's up, Arnold? How you doing, man? He doesn't talk much. No big deal. Sitting here rocking my Conquer Your Inner Bitch shirt because sometimes the day just needs a Conquer Your Inner Bitch shirt. What do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I've been out of my house for like two weeks straight now. Finally here, HVAC unit died in the house. It was a big two-week deal. I haven't slept in my own bed in over two weeks now between California and this whole debacle with the AC. Finally home, finally at my stand-up desk, finally have air conditioning in my house, my routine, all the things that I do to be a high-performance individual. So I'm feeling good, and this is the weekly recap of the AMA number 80, which happens every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central, facebook.com slash the Clovis Culture. So this week, we talked about traditional foods, cultural foods, and how this is kind of a myth. So what happens is people come to me and say, Justin, you take away grains, and you take away dairy, and you take away legumes, and all these things. These are my cultural foods. These are traditional foods based on my culture. Now, for instance, if you're of Hispanic descent, let's say, then you might like tortillas and rice and beans. I'm French. My family loves bread. They love bread. They love pastries. They love pasta. Italian people love pasta, right? So people think about these traditional foods as if they're real traditional foods. But remember, your traditional foods as a human are really what hunter-gatherers ate. Why? Because we've been hunter-gatherers for 350,000 years, and you've only known of traditional foods that your family had for a very, very short period of time. So if we look at hunter-gatherers or the entire human species, human uh, homo sapien species, right? That'd be like a 100-yard football field. The last quarter inch of that 100-yard football field is the amount of time that we've had agriculture, okay, in our history. This is a blip on the radar. So even if you're eating foods that are 100 years old, these aren't traditional foods for any human beings. And I'll give you another example. The way to look at this is that all of your ancestors, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your parents, right, they were forced into eating the foods that they were eating at the time. For instance, if we just go back to my great, not even my great-grandparents, my actual grandparents survived the Great Depression. Most of them, as children, grew up on like condensed milk, cheese, bread, pasta, whatever they could get their hands on, right? The cheapest of the cheap food, like literally things that have a long shelf life and are very nutrient poor. They don't have a lot of nutrient density to them. These are literally starvation foods. Now, sometimes people get social justice on me when I say things like these, but these are poverty foods. That's what they are. Our grandparents and great-grandparents probably ate poverty foods. These aren't traditional foods by any stretch of the imagination, okay? So I'll give you an example. Like, my grandmother loved to cook eclairs, homemade eclairs, which is a very French pastry thing to do. You couldn't pay me enough to eat those eclairs, even though I ate them a lot as a kid, right? They're sugar, fat bombs. They're made to build diabetes, right? But just because I don't cook those things doesn't mean that I am not honoring the memory of my grandmother or loving my grandmother any less, right? I just know better. I have more information than they did. So your cultural, traditional foods don't have to be what your grandparents and great-grandparents ate. You can make your own new culture, your own traditional foods. You can raise your kids in a different way, right? We don't have genetic diseases. We have lifestyle diseases. Our grandparents hand down their eating habits to their, their to your parents, and then our parents hand down our eating habits to us, Okay. Plus, I just want to guarantee you, if I went back in time, I'm looking at a picture of my wall right now. My grandfather and my great-grandfather are both hanging up framed in my house, right? 
If I went back in time to when they were little kids eating food during the Depression, and I said, you have the choice between this French bread and this hunk of cheese and maybe condensed milk, right? Or you get this grass-fed ribeye steak with organic broccoli and a sweet potato with melted grass-fed butter on it. They're gonna choose the Clovis food every single time. They're gonna choose that delicious food, that nutrient-dense food. They ate things because they were forced to. So taking tortillas, rice, and beans, let's say from Hispanic culture, is a good way to make those cheap foods taste good together to make them palatable. Or Italian people like to talk to me about this. You'll never take away my pasta, right? Odds are your great-grandmother was making homemade pasta. She was boiling, de-seeding, and peeling tomatoes, making her own sauce. You're running to Walmart and getting a box, a box of Berea packaged, processed, whole wheat pasta, whatever, and you're buying a can of ragu sauce from some manufacturer you've never even heard of and you don't know what their facilities look like, right? And you're claiming that to be traditional food. Don't do that, it's not true, okay? So then we talked about olive oil. We talked about how to choose olive oil. So you want to get extra virgin olive oil. You actually wanna find cold extracted. Cold pressed is fine too, but cold extracted is really the best of the best there. You want a dark glass bottle dark glass bottle. I actually don't recommend buying any olive oil in the store unless you have a specialty store near you like I do. I go to a specialty store that imports all these things, right? So dark glass bottle, extra virgin olive oil, cold extracted. And the best way to do this is probably a subscription service. As an I Am Clovis member, you get a deal on Olive Oil Club and you can get it shipped to your home. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of great things about olive oil. People love to say that it's high in antioxidants, which is something called oleocanthin, which gives you that kind of peppery, bitter taste on the back of your throat. So I actually go to an olive oil testing place. I can taste these things, it's delicious. I taste olive oils from all around the world. And that little peppery feeling in the back of, back of your throat tells you how much oleocanthin this has in it, which is like the main antioxidant in olive oil. But that's really the best way to pick is you wanna get extra virgin olive oil. Don't get this, there's light olive oil running around now, people buying light olive oil. It's a blend, it's mostly canola oil and then a little bit of olive oil. You don't wanna do that. Make sure you get extra virgin, cold pressed at least, if not cold extracted olive oil in a dark glass bottle. Test. If you buy olive oil and put it in your refrigerator and put it in there overnight and it doesn't solidify, if it stays liquid, it's not pure olive oil, okay? So if you have been buying a brand that you like, do the overnight refrigeration test. If it stays liquid, it's not pure olive oil. Then we talked about electrolytes during fasting. Electrolytes balance doesn't really change during fasting. And all, okay, my Amazon device is talking to me. But yeah, your electrolyte levels don't change much during fasting. I have people supplement electrolytes because it makes the fast a little bit easier. If you're coming from a standard American diet and switching directly to fasting, that's the ultimate low carb diet. Your insulin levels are gonna drop. Your kidney's gonna secrete a little bit more sodium. You need to supplement some sodium to avoid those nasty feelings of sugar detox or what people call keto flu, okay? So that's the only reason you'd wanna supplement. And I recommend doing that during a fast with bone broth and putting a little bit of Redmond sea salt in there as well. I love bone broth fasts, particularly if the goal is just weight loss or just fat loss, you're not worried about autophagy, go ahead and drink that bone broth and make the fast easier. Then we talked about organ meats. The person asked if I am comfortable with organ capsule supplementation. Absolutely, and I've partnered with Paleo Valley on this, right? So you can get Paleo Valley's organ complex and get your organ capsules um, and get those organs in your daily diet, which is fantastic. It's like nature's ultimate multivitamin. Now that said, it's far more cost-effective to eat organs. I eat four ounces of liver a day. Now to get the same micronutrient content in four ounces of liver, I'd have to take 188 capsules a day 
of organ capsules, okay? So it just goes to show you, and I get my organ meats for $3 a pound and one pound lasts me four days. So it's far more cost effective to just develop the palate for eating organ meats. I had to, I hated them at first and now I love them, I crave them, they're delicious, okay? The last thing we talked about is cholesterol. I have a client who is doing amazing, all of their blood work with their functional medicine doctor comes back amazing, everything is off the charts good, except they have high total cholesterol and high LDL particle number. So their doctor is freaking out, telling them to take a statin, telling them to change their diet, even though this is a functional medicine doctor. This doctor knows nothing about lipidology, okay? This happens a lot. So you have to make a decision when you go Clovis, knowing that some of your blood work is going to move in the opposite direction of what a doctor would like to see. You need to decide for yourself if you have done enough research to understand where you want that blood work to be. Personally, I've been on a seven year journey trying to figure out my genetics and how cholesterol works in my body and I've met with the top lipidologists on planet Earth and talked to them about this and studied the crap out of it. My LDL particle number is very high, my total cholesterol number is very high and I don't care at all because my HDL is through the roof, my triglycerides are super low, my fasting insulin is great, my fasting blood glucose is great, blood glucose is great and I have no inflammation in my body. My inflammation levels are so low, it's below reference range in my blood markers, which means I'm basically at virtually zero risk of any cardiac events, even though the LDLP is high. This is something called a lean mass hyperresponder. A lot of people are lean mass hyperresponders. This means they're on a low carb diet, so low, low, low glycogen stores in the body, also very low triglycerides, very low body fat percentage, like I have, I have about 8% body fat very high HDL, which is that healthy, good cholesterol, they call it. And just these markers are basically re revamping everything we think we know about cholesterol. All the data we have for cholesterol is done on a sick population. 82% of the population is insulin resistant, right? And all the studies we have are done on those people. So we only know lipidology in the sense of an insulin resistant individual. That doesn't help me at all because I'm super healthy. I'm basically so healthy that there's no nutrition data for me to go off of because people like me have never been studied because America is so fat, sick, and nearly dead, right? So you have to make the decision for yourself. I know what decision I have made. Every primary care physician on planet Earth would try to put me on a statin drug right now and there's no way I'd go on a statin drug. I know I'm going to live longer than those doctors will. That's how much I am convinced of the research that I have done by myself over the last seven years talking to experts. So there does come a point where you have to do your own research. I can't tell you what to do with your blood work. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice. Just letting you know that you don't always want to believe the mainstream, particularly when 85% of people are overweight and obese. 82 plus percent of people are insulin resistant and 75 plus percent of people are on a pharmaceutical medication. You get to decide what you want to do. For me, it's a no brainer. I know exactly which direction I'm going. So this was your recap of AMA number 80, which can be found on the Clovis Culture Podcast. You can go to clovis.show for all the show notes. I am going to put a video about lean mass hyperresponders in the show notes. So that'll be really, really helpful for you. Just go to clovis.show and check that out. If you want to work with me, go to iamclovis.com slash start. Thank you guys so much for being here. This is in case you missed it. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm going to go get a workout. Sounds like fun. Bye.